Be Coastal at the Boatyard Restaurant, located at 1515 Southeast 17th Street Causeway in Fort Lauderdale. Here, you'll feel part of the yachting tradition of South Florida as you experience the Boatyard's hooked-table, seafood-eccentric menu with fresh catches listed by name of the fisherman who caught them. The Boatyard's open kitchen is also known for premium grilled cuts of meat and a menu that's sourced from local ingredients. Sit inside in modern nautical-themed rooms or dockside and watch the boats cruise by as you enjoy lunch, dinner, and Sunday brunch. Monday through Friday, the locals know that the Boatyard's happy hour is the best place to gather for bar bites and handcrafted cocktails at great prices. And don't miss out on Ladies' Night every Thursday. Call ahead to book your reservation today at 954-525-7400. Clear the airways. The Lunker Dog is on the air. Are you ready? This is the Real Guy Podcast. Same thing. Anchor's free. Go ahead. Yeah. All right, it says that you're recording the call. Yep, and you are, you are too. Okay, so it's working. All right, nice. All right, now, because I can just drag it in, see, I don't have to edit or anything right now. I'll just start like I hadn't been talking to you. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Real Guy Podcast. I got a special guest um, on Skype with me today. If it sounds a little funny, it sounds a little Skypey, just bear with us. Um, the end of this virus thing and the social distancing thing is over. We will get back to uh, a little bit higher quality sound. But anyway, I have Nikki Mill, Millhouse Podcast. This is Andy Mill's son, and um, I've known him for a good while now, probably a half a dozen years. Nikki, thanks for being on the Real Guy podcast. It's an honor to it's an honor to be on. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, man, I wanted to um, I wanted to get you on the uh, on the podcast ever since you guys started yours. Um, you know the uh, the name of Nikki's podcast is Millhouse Podcast, and some of the most famous fly fishermen and saltwater inshore fishermen in the world have been featured on the podcast so far. Nikki, how many episodes so we've done, far? We've done six episodes, and um, we're trying to do them every week, but it's we don't really have a set schedule, so it's, it's almost like every 10 days. But we have six episodes. Um, the guests so far have been Steve Huff, Flip Pallet, Chico Fernandez, um, Miami's legend, Bouncer Smith, uh, you know, just – just friends of my dad's who I've had uh, the opportunity to meet, and um, it's been a blast. It's it's been a it's been really fun um, getting these guys' stories and um, hanging out with them. Right, right. Now, when you guys when you guys do your podcast, you do both audio and video, correct? Audio and video. Yep. Okay. Okay. I haven't done much video podcasting yet. Uh, Joe Joe Simons and I from Salt Strong actually did. Um, a podcast about five years ago and put it on YouTube, which is about all you could get for video podcasting at the time. And of course we put it up on iTunes also and nobody saw it. Nobody listened to it. Yeah. Well, yeah. But all your other videos get millions and millions of hits. So it balances itself out. <laughs> I just think that Joe and I jumped the gun a little bit um, on the podcasting thing. I think if you know, we would have waited till people kind of knew what they were a little bit. Right. But, um, question for you: Since you guys started doing a um, a podcast, and um, obviously you're doing a lot of podcasts with a lot of older people, how many people 
ask you, how can I watch the podcast? You know what? Um, I would, I thought there would be more people that would have troubles with it, but, um, since it's on YouTube, if people right. get, if people get confused with, um, you know, Spotify, Apple podcasts, we just send them right over and have them watch, watch the whole podcast on YouTube. And that's, that's pretty seamless, you know, cause you just, you go in your, uh, open your computer, type in YouTube, type in mailhouse podcast and all of them are right there. And everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people know how to do that. So. Well, I, I gotta tell you, it drives me absolutely crazy when not only, you know, guests or, you know, friends or people that you recommend the podcast to, and they look at me and they go, how do you watch it? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. that's YouTube. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, this is like AM radio for you people. You I know. know. You would think know. it would be a little bit better, but it's going, it's starting to go. It's starting to go. And, um, what happened with your, what happened with your YouTube videos? You were going strong forever. And keeping them going, I was a religious watcher, Jeff. You, yeah. inspired, you inspired me to get out and, and run that dog. What happened? <laughs> you stopped putting out YouTube videos. Yeah, I want the, I want the longer out. dog. Ah, dude, we phased out of YouTube when, when things became, everything became sensational. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in order for us to keep up the millions of views, the way the algorithm started to work, was Captain Jeff would have to go out and catch a big giant shark or <laughs> feed a tarpon to a shark or yeah, yeah. catch a giant Goliath grouper and then have him pull me over the boat. <laughs> and that kind of stuff was taking over. Do, um, do, do the black tip, uh, the, the black tip HD or whatever that guy's name is. Right. He's, black tip he's, H. Josh. Yeah. He's a king at that. Yeah, I, well, I got, I got you. Well, yeah, and that's just, you know, that's just the nature of the internet and the nature of the way, you know, things work. You know, it's good for Google. It's not that great for sport fishing, but hey, you roll with the punches. Now we're doing podcasts. Yep. And um, the podcast to me reminds me of the early days of YouTube because right. the people that are taking the time to listen to the podcast actually have to put forth a little bit of energy, one, to find it, then to, you know, of course, uh, listen to it, take some time. So if somebody's willing to invest that type of time in you, I'd rather have a thousand of those guys or ten thousand of those guys than a million people that stumble upon you because, you know, I'm catching right. the dark. Yeah, I, I I completely get it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of like I don't know, kind of like the evolution of social media. I was really glad to be in YouTube when I did a lot of YouTube. The timing right. was right. It was fun. Um, that was the golden era. I think so. I yeah. think so. I think so. Um, Nikki, talk to me a little bit about um, what it's like doing media with your old man. And if and, and let me and let me stop for a second because you know I often assume that everybody knows everything about fishing, and some people don't know. Um, about Andy Mill. A lot of the older guys like me idol Andy Mill, but a lot of the younger kids, because um, TV's not so popular anymore, um, Nikki's father, Andy, was a 
famous tournament fly fisherman for tarpon down in the Keys and totally crushed the uh, tournament scene for a long time and then made a video and um, did TV about catching tarpon. And this is way back before we had stuff to go to on YouTube. So between the accomplishments that Nikki's father had and the timing that he was in, um, it's a whole different uh, group and people that were famous in the media world. Back yep. then it was TV, magazines, and photographs. You know, today it's Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, um, you know, totally different. Yeah. Yeah. Talk, yeah. Little, talk to me a little bit about how um, you've been able to teach your father in your direction with new media. So I've had this idea for around five or six years, you know, just hanging out with my dad. And first of all, my, my dad's my best friend. I do everything with him. Um, he's my mentor. He's, uh, he's, he's way more than a father to me. He, he's, he's my best friend. And we bow hunt for elk. We tarp and fish um, for a month in May together. Uh, we mountain bike, we do everything together. So, you know, he's my wingman. Um, but just being around him and hanging out with his buddies and, and getting to know more people, um, you know, in the fly fishing space that he knows, it's like, I found, I know I didn't didn't find, but I thought it'd be a great opportunity to get him, um, on the mic and chat with his buddies about, you know, what the old, old days were like, and, uh, just kind of, have some fish talk and um this upcoming concert season will be all about the boots and tecovis is your stop for the best in western style tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer including men's and women's boots apparel hats bags and more all tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend and tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period it's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. And his concern was he didn't want to go back to work, right? Because, you know, he, he had a he did 81 TV shows. He had a TV show for... Uh, eight years on OLN, which is the Outdoor Life Network. And he was just over traveling and didn't want to work. And I was telling him, Dad, don't worry. I'll do all the production. And and it's it's not that much work. I'll do all the behind the scenes, all the production. All you have to do is just chat with your buddy. Right. And as I kept pitching him that um, and going through more and more people and friends, they were like, yeah, that's a great idea. He kind of he kind of eased up and you know, we did the first podcast and it went great. We did the second podcast and he, you know, he started to see the numbers and he started to see the growth and that gave him some juice. And so, you know, it, he, he loves it now. You know, all he does is, um, I don't want to downplay it, 
by any means, but he doesn't do any of the production side. I do all that. And so right. he doesn't, he doesn't get overwhelmed and you know, he's a great interviewer. He's had, um, TV and, uh, broadcasting background. So he's good on, on the mic and over time it, he, he gave in and now we're, now we're doing it. So your dad's got to be like totally amazed by the efficiency between a few laptops and a couple phones and maybe a camera here and there. Oh my God. He does not even sign into his email. If he gets logged out of his email, he, he it's like a 20 minute process of what's my password. <laughs> well, think about it. You know, those guys were doing TV, you know, they show up with three truckloads worth of equipment. You know what I mean? And plan on shooting for friggin' four days in a row to get their stuff done. Oh, it's, it's, yeah. The game has changed for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and, uh, and so he gets it now, right? Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he gets it and he's, he's Jones and then do another one. He, nice. he, he wants to keep it rolling. He, he's got the juice. Nice. Nice. Now tell me a little bit, what's it like, you know, getting to hang out with friggin' Flip Pallet and Chico and all these dudes that are like, you know, black and white, um, legends for crying yeah 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 it, you know what it's pretty it, it, it's cool um but again you know they're people just like you and i so uh yeah that's a good point just like you and i and you know they love to do the same things we do and at the end of the day they're human beings but it is really special to hear um you know their stories of what florida bay was like what what um, the Everglades and Key West was like when there was only three guides down there um, working full time. Um, yeah. Their memorabilia in their garage, looking at old trophies, fish scales, what it, you know, talking to them about what it was like to gaff big tarpon back in the day when when there were kill tournaments. And you know that, like we said, the game has changed, and and it's it's very cool to to hear their perspective and to um, get a look into their life, what it was like back in the, in the fifties and sixties and seventies. So it, yeah, it's very special. Yeah. Yeah. I, I imagine. So the, um, I mean, like at this point, um, are you just kind of like so used to it that when, I don't know, when Chico Fernandez locks in the room or whatever, like it doesn't even phase you anymore. Um, I don't want to say that. I mean, it's very special. Don't get me wrong, but no, say what. Uh, yeah, no. Yeah, don't I mean, I say would, what exactly is on your mind, dog. Yeah, you know, no, um, no, it's very special. Um, but you know, I've been around them so many times that it's just like they're they're starting to be friends. You know what I mean? Rather than TV stars at this point. Right. That's a great way to answer the question. Um, because I you know, I can remember, you know, um, when I was a kid, my dad would hang out, and Mark Sosin um, was a good friend of his, and uh, some of the local guys like Tom Green and George Copeland were all friends of his, and I got to, you know, I got to know them where I never thought of it from the other side, like, hey, you know, that guy's kind of like a big name in fishing or whatever. Right. It's like I kind of knew him since I was kids and I was friends. And um, because of that, um, you know, it just kind of totally made me had a, a completely independent outlook on fishing. Um, 
and the whole industry together. You know what I mean? Right. Right. You know, it, it's funny you mentioned that. It, it all stems back from, in my case, back from my mother. Um, just, <laughs> you know, just um, seeing people react to my mother the way they did back in the day. Not so much anymore. Um, my, my mother was a professional tennis player, but I would say 10 years ago, every time she went to the grocery store and went to the post office or wherever, wherever she went, she'd be signing autographs and people right. were just, and it, and it doesn't happen that often anymore. And it's just because, you know, her generation of fans and, and the people watching tennis is, is now older. And, um, but you know, I, I just, I've always, I've always wondered like, why are these people freaking out? Like, she's just a person she's my mom i you know the only i only looked at her as a mother you know i didn't look at her as anything else besides that and that that kind of uh uh stuck with me you know when i look at when i look at people who are so and so famous in in my eyes the you know the bill dances the flip pallets the jose um and i just look at them as people you know who, who they really are and try to get to um look past their image if you will um you know what i mean and it and it just kind of settles the situation it doesn't get you all nerved up and you know at the end of the day they're fishermen right yep yep that's 100 true you know um uh nikki's mother who's uh how many championships she's like the best she won she won 18 18 grand slams yeah it's, it's Chrissy Everett. Like, you grew up uh, here in Fort Lauderdale. and um, Right next to you. Yeah. Well, did you know that I actually graduated high school, I think, with your aunt? That's funny. I know. I told my dad that, and he couldn't believe it. Yeah. 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 And then and then your grandparents live, I don't know if they still do, but I think two blocks behind me or so. Yeah. But did you say, growing up, you know, um, your mom and um, your sister were like household names here. Um, not only because she was famous, but because Fort Lauderdale was a small time, town at that time. And right. everybody kind of knew each other, you know, indirectly in one way or the other. And um, it's kind of weird, you know, um, that, uh, I don't know, Fort Lauderdale is such a huge place now. Everything's still blown up now that, you know, years ago it didn't matter who you were. Right. You kind of knew each other. I mean, and um, I think I think now you know the world's so big and there's so many people in it, and small towns are now huge towns that um, a lot of that is just lost in the shuffle. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, look at it yep. now. They, I mean, they don't even meet anybody in person anymore. They're freaking dating and haven't even met before. How the <laughs> frig does that work? Well, explain that, uh, <laughs> explain that, Nikki. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah. all changed. So craziness. But anyway, a um, couple more things. When I came over to your house, I don't know, what was that, uh, a couple months ago, yep. and um, you guys were leaving for some billfish destination to catch marlin on the fly. How did that go? We went, we actually had the opportunity to fish with Skip Smith, um, right. uh, the captain of the hooker. Um, down in Capos, Costa Rica. Um, we had him on. We had him on for a podcast. We actually did. We actually did two with him. 
and he invited us in the middle of the podcast down there to try to catch a marlin on fly and we were all we were totally in we were our eyes lit up when he invited us and so we went down there for i think we went down there for three full fishing days and the first day we raised i believe seven seven sailfish and three marlin and you know it was tough because we were we were raising fish and we were teasing them in but we they were kind of finicky you know once they once the mates ripped the teaser baits out and we threw the fly in they would dissipate they would leave they wouldn't get into the whitewash that close and so mm-hmm. i don't know if your listeners um are educated on how uh the fly fishing for billfish works because because it was new to me but what they do is they troll hookless baits right and so once you once you see the bill come up once you raise a fish they wind in the baits and once they feel like it's in the fish is in casting range they rip the real bait out and we're supposed to cast behind the fish right so the fish is going away eating your fly and getting that going away bite which right um to what people say the hookup ratio is much better so the difficult part was getting the fish close enough to the boat so we could cast behind them and you know, we hooked, I think we hooked three sailfish and my dad hooked a nice blue marlin. Um, but we didn't, we caught, we caught a sailfish on spin rod and none landed on fly, but it was, it was a blast. You had a good time? Oh, it was awesome. I would go back in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, it's funny that, um, uh, you know, the bill fishing, um, those fish can be in different moods. And when they're in the right mood, they'll hop on a fly and do everything right. And you'll get two or three, um, you know, solid hookups in a day. And then there's other times where you may see 10 or 12 in a single day, but just because they're not in the right mood, um, just, you know, almost impossible to one, either get him to commit to the fly or two, get the hook into him when he does. Right. And, um, but what a cat and mouse game now did, um, you were th- you were throwing the fly a lot, and um, we were throwing or- the f- we were throwing the fly. I'd say nine. I mean, we only. Hmm. I think we hooked we hooked a sailfish on accident and we caught it, and then we hooked <laughs> another and then we hooked another one on spin, and then other than that, we were predominantly fly fishing for them. So um, there was no we were not trolling any hook hook baits out there. It was all, you know, our our theory was. Because we were we were battling a little bit because the fishing was 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 pretty good it wasn't red hot and we were battling because I really wanted to catch a uh, marlin um, on conventional or whatever I just wanted to see a marlin I've never seen one and so oh really you know yeah we we were battling like well do we we put out a hook bait and try to get one just just to bag one real quick and then we can go fly fishing or and so mm-hmm. my dad my dad and I yeah we chatted and we're like well if we really want to get one on fly we gotta all of our opportunities we has to be throwing the fly rod. So we, we stuck to that and we didn't get one, but it was, it was a great trip, you know, and I I have to say throughout the years, I've always seen on Instagram and social media, all these people catching sailfish in Guatemala, you know, 10, 15. I'm like that, that seem that does not seem appealing to me. These, these things are like brooches, right? (laughs) Cause I've, I mean, crappy fishermen are catching sailfish in Guatemala. 
or and even all over. It, it just it, it was not appealing to me. You know, it, it seemed like there was no skill involved. It was just show them the fly. And but after that trip, my my perspective has changed. I'm uh, a little different, huh? A little different. It's funny a little, how you A little different, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I'll I'll, well, I'll get one one of these days. Oh no! Well, you know, you did the right thing. You stick to the game plan, and I mean, I'm sure you guys know it. discipline. You know, you stick right. to the game plan. You keep your freaking hard work, and it'll happen. And when it does, um, you're gonna be so glad that you know you you, you committed to it. Um, and there'll be a time for you to catch one on bait. There'll be time for you to catch one on fly. I think if you're with Skip Smith and you're out in capos. I think the fly was the right way to go win lose or draw you know what i mean yeah and you know what just being on that boat i don't know if if anyone's read the skip smith's book that he wrote uh the tales of the madam and the hooker but it is it's unfreaking believable the stories they have um traveling around the world australia to africa new zealand portugal i mean it, it's it, it, yeah. it, just being on that boat, all the history and him telling crazy, dirty stories about what happened in the saloon, and that's just—it—it was—it was a blast. That's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah. Nikki, let's not make this too long. Um, I want to have you guys um, back on the podcast in the future. I want to do the typical um, old-style podcast with your dad coming up because I want the younger generation. Um, to learn more about the guys that kind of paved the road. Um, one of the guests on my, on my podcast is like a co-host type, uh, Stephen Busaka. He's only 26 years old. He's been into fishing you know, a little bit, and he's learning about all the dudes that you guys are interviewing. Right. So, and he's stoked every time he learns about one of these old guys that, you know, were such big deals in the industry and such big deals in the, in the, you know, in the sport, you know, and he wants to talk about it. He gets all excited. He's smiling. And, um, I think it's a great way to, uh, I don't know. How do you say that? Uh, it's tradition. You keep, you know, you, you teach the young about the old and you, and you keep the tradition. I think with the Millhouse podcast, um, I think you guys are going to be able to accomplish that. I want to pat I, my I, I hope huh? so. I hope so. I've been listening to him. I've been to him. Um, what do you got? Six out so far. I've met, I've listened to them all. You're you doing like it, it, man. I love it. You know, I mean, it helps. But what, what I like even more because I've heard a lot of a lot of the bios and stuff on these guys, and I'm old and I've, I've paid attention to them. But what excites me more is the 26 year old or my my daughter who's only 14. They need that content to understand where the sport came from. You feel me? Right. right. And that, but that's, that's what lit my fire. I'm 25. I'm young. I'm that young generation, but you know, I'm in that same boat. That's why, that's why this was, this whole adventure and, and podcast was so appealing to me because I wanted it as much as, you know, giving it out to the, to the audience. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th I think, I think, I think your generation has seen that across the board. One of the one of the other things that I noticed about hanging out with Busaka was he's familiar and loves all the original rock and roll stuff that we grew up with. Right. And then I go to the the 
of the newer breweries and places where the kids are hanging out. And, yeah, they'll have M&M up on the wall, maybe, you know. But then you look over and it's a store, or it's Bob Marley, or somebody like, right. and you're like, man, these kids, you know, they're finding the good stuff. Funny. It's weird, right? Weird, yep. Weird. Anyway, thanks for being on the uh, on the Lumberdog Real Guy show. And um, before we get off, I want to thank you ahead of time for having me on the Millhouse podcast. Always floors me. Um, yep, that's gonna that's gonna air soon. That's gonna air in the next couple of weeks. That was a good one. Thank you for coming on. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, and and um, uh, it was I just uh, I, 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 I that timing. We have that, that sewage spill, and you guys kind of just starting the podcast and coordinating it, and then like all the shit was going on in Fort Lauderdale. I like kept looking forward to that afternoon that I knew I was going to drive out of this crap and roll down to Boca and then do that with you guys. Um, it was a breath of fresh air at the time. <laughs> no, you know what? I I think. Something happened. I think it had to do with that sewage spill and all the crap you were dealing with that lit your fire because you were unbelievable on it. Um, and I think that uh, my dad got out a couple of things in you that, you know, some people may have not heard. And um, I thought it was a great interview. And the the true the true Lunker Dog came out. I love it. Well, you know, um, I just you know. I've been able to fish and be on the boat with you guys a couple times. And um, one of the things about fishing is uh, after you've been on the boat with somebody a few times, you know, you kind of know what they're all about. Um, I wish you guys all the best with the Millhouse podcast. Um, all my uh, audience, please subscribe and support uh, Nikki. And um, he's the new guy on the block. He's the mover and shaker. He's the 25-year-old that's going to – um, help you um, get the right information and content so uh, you can enjoy and love the sport of fishing and hunting um, like we do. Nick, thanks so much. I look forward to talking to you in the future. Jeff, it's an honor. Thanks for having me on. Run that dog, pal. See you later, buddy. Okay, bye. Hey,